0: Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. With every conversation, we hope to inspire as many as possible to keep on Dungeon
1: Mastering. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, a.k.a. Jot maniac And today, DM Chris and I are going to be talking to Amit Moshe, the mind behind Oak Studio Games and City of Mist, but soon-to-be Legends in the Mist, very much so, because at the time of this recording, the Kickstarter had not started. And at the time of me recording this intro and outro, it is well, 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 well overfunded. Um, So check the show notes for that, or just type The Legend in the Mist in Kickstarter, and you can go check it out directly there. Dear Patrons, we have fallen a little bit behind on the AP. We hit some snags with some files that I had that are a little bit older, so they needed some extra love. But fear not because we have not been idle. Chris and I have created basically NPCs for each other in each other's games to some degree, and we will be reintroducing story time with a little bit of a different bent as if it is being retold by those NPCs and No matter what tier you're backing at, if you go, you can check out the first two installments of me recording as that NPC for Chris's game, and before you know it, uh, we'll have some more of him recording as the NPC for my game. So yeah, if you want to get a small dose of story time once again, head over to the Patreon, and like I said, any backing tier will get you that content. But that's enough from me, so let's head to the meat. I'm
0: starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days.
1: Why can't we have some meats? The plate meat back on the menu, boys. Today, we have a returning guest a long time ago, many moons ago, when I think we were using a... uh, iPhone or 2 to record the podcast. And back in our days when we thought actual plays were easier than they are. Um but returning once again, Amit Moshe, founder of the Sun, Sun of Oak Games, who are the makers of City of Mist and soon to be Legend in the Mist, and we will learn more about that very quickly. But Amit,
0: thanks for coming back on. No, it's a pleasure. Great to be here again. How long ago was it that you were on? Do you remember how many how many years ago?
2: We're trying to figure it out. I mean, I want to say it was like maybe two or three years into City of Mist, which would have meant six, five, six years ago. Yeah. So uh, it's been a while.
0: Yeah. A little, yeah, that's, couple I mean, things happen
2: in yeah. that time around. Yeah.
0: <laughs> a couple, yeah, six years doesn't sound like a lot until you realize what we went through the past six years. It's like, oh. Exactly. I think we all so, aged like so 20 years. Yeah, period. yeah, exactly. yeah, right. Exactly. My beard was
1: not this color. That is for sure. 26 plus 10. Yeah, that's
0: yeah. Another it thing was it happens. was gray back in the day. Right. Neil? Yeah. and now it's now it's a uh, it's a nice brown color fully. Yeah, yeah, yeah for, for sure.
1: Just for those, sure. Those, those, <laughs> like those MLB players where it is just yeah. jet black. And I'm like, I don't know who you think.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> now you use you've, you. You you've used a lot of Rogaine for that for sure. It's been six years or sixteen, depending on how you look at it. Uh, what's new with you since last time you were on? What things have been published? I mean, yeah, just tell us a little bit about what's been going on in life.
2: Yeah, so um, City of Misses a whole line of uh, things now. Uh, so we published an expansion. We published a really great campaign book, that's of Paint Town. We published a starter box. We published another. We just finished. Another uh, expansion, which is like different districts in the city that we kick last year. Uh, we also had two spin-off games, Queers and Otherscape. One of them is like more of an LGBTQ-themed Power Rangers game, basically, uh, an anime thing. And the other is Otherscape is a cyberpunk game that's kind of based in the same cosmology as City of Mist. Not the, like you do have mi- mythic cyberpunk, so you have like mythical powers in a cyberpunk world. And uh, that's coming out really soon. And now we are preparing to go for the first time into fantasy, which I've wanted to do for so long with Legend in the Mist. Uh, really, really excited about this. Which is which is
1: honestly a perfect segue. I mean, what can you tell us about? I mean, certainly anything else that you might be working on. I feel like that's probably the one you would want to, want to talk about the most. And I mean... I like who's saying this because you could just say whatever you want. Obviously there are things you would want to keep under wraps for now, but I don't think the NDAs apply as directly to you as uh, other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah, I do
2: have uh
1: free uh the freedom
2: there, but yeah, I could talk about Legend of the Mist, you know, for years because I'm so excited about this. We finally get to bring this very specific narrative and tactical at the same time flavor that City of Mist has to the fantasy world. So for me, it's about really creating games that look more like the stories that we all want them to look like, but they end up looking like a hack and slash video game where we're just, you know, just like hit the same button 20 times. City of Mist is really designed to counter that and Legend in the Mist is also designed to counter that by really connecting gameplay and story very, very tightly. So probably the first thing that's different from any kind of D&D film that you've ever played uh, which we already have the ND, so we don't need more variations on it. I know there's a lot of problem in that realm too, but I won't get into that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the most uh, the biggest difference is that there are no stats in this game. Um, it's all descriptors. It's all tags. So your character is built entirely out of descriptors that are completely free form, and these can describe anything from your your gear, attributes, your skills, your spells, the usual things, but also things like your motivations, your feelings your backstory uh, elements, and these affect gameplay just as much. So just on a very, very basic level, what you do is you count up the tags that affect uh, your act, a specific action that you're doing. Some tags are relevant, other tags are not. You count up the those that are relevant, that's your power. You roll 2d6 and you add that to your power, and that's kind of like what determines the outcome. What's really beautiful about it is that you can really put into focus different things. Like I said, It really connects, the story is just like, you know, in step with uh, the mechanics. And you can take that to wherever you want. Some people take it to a tactical place, some people take it to a really narrative place, but it gives you that flexibility. So it's something I really wanted to bring to fantasy games for a very long time. Like, I want that original Lord of the Rings feeling. Everybody thinks that Dungeons and Dragons is Lord of the Rings, but to me it's always like, not really, no, you can't do that. And, you know, quest, other kind of quest uh, fiction, like, or art, like, um, you know, Princess Mononoke, the movie, you know, like that, that's kind of like, let's go on a quest because something has really shaped our lives. So the game really focuses on, on this aspect, on personal story arcs of characters, you can mix, have mixed uh, power levels, which I guess that's one of the topics we want to talk about today, like, you can have Gandalf and Frodo in the same party. So I pretty much poured everything I wanted out of a fantasy game that wasn't supported by tactical, purely tactical games that are a lot of fun into one game. And this is Legend of the Mist.
0: That's really cool.
1: So uh, surprise question. What is the first fantasy novel that like really started to shape? Like your sensibilities. Cause I think at this point, it's so interesting. Cause I think about like when I started reading, the options were just much more limited. That's just, uh, d- just, just a reality. It, and now a person could just fall into the fantasy world with just countless options. I mean, I'm three clicks away from putting a book on Amazon. Please everyone, when Ooh, you go to Amazon, no, no, no. I just meant in the sense that please everyone go make sure that what you're buying is not made directly from AI because a lot of those have come out now. It, just just that way. just keep an eye out on that. That's that's you mean today's you can P- write
0: novels with AI. That's today's what? PSA.
1: Um, yeah, the checks and balances are not there. Um, but yeah, what I is fell
0: for it? You see? I yeah, see, he was ready. It, yeah.
1: <laughs> but what was yeah? So what was that that fantasy novel for you?
2: Um, you know, interestingly. Probably the first real fantasy novel that I read was Dragonlance because it was way more digestible than Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, you know, as a reading experience. I read it when I was 10 or something. I loved it. I really can't, can't compare the impact that it had on my life to what Lord of the Rings did. For me, I know it's such a cliche on the one hand. I come back to it on a personal level, you know, to Lord of the Rings. It just touched me and created such a such um you know the deep cosmology behind it like every creature there for example if you take elves okay there are something inherently different than human beings and it makes things a little more interesting to me personally than just having humans with pointy ears as a lot of fantasy um, franchises have these days it's like oh we just have, we behave the same way we're just as petty we're just, it's like completely the same thing, just with pointy ears and, and and the dark vision. So yeah, I like those cosmological reasons for everything. Of course, there's a lot of criticism that is coming up you know, on something that is kind of a, from another era, but I love it. It's just really touched me. And around the same time that I read it, actually Princess Mononoke came out and that was another big uh, thing. It, it's really those... I want to say it's those stories that make you feel something rather than just the details of the story. So stories that really make you feel something that have left a mark on me. And we're trying to create a game that will make you feel something. Mm. That's really where we're going with this.
1: Chris, you got to answer. I realize that I've I've, recently I've trapped myself a couple of times because I'm so excited to ask the question only to realize that in theory, we have set it up that I am then also supposed to answer. And I have not (laughs) had answers every time lately. So, Chris, what do we got?
0: Mine is it's The Hobbit. Like, I probably read it once a year still. The reason being is I remember like that was... Like my dad read me like kids books when I was little, but it was like the first like older kid book that I could read. Right. That my dad could read to me. Cause it was still like a little outside of my reading scope, but I love like, you knew that I loved those um, sorts of stories. And so it's got like, it's got a personal bend to it. Right. But it's also just got like a really fun playfulness that like, I mean, just discovering Hobbit, like Hobbits for the first time. Like it was so fun just to like imagine the Shire and, this like just halfling creature that made no sense to me, that had hairy feet and lived in a world that nobody really understood. And it was just so different than the world that I lived in and was like, I'm small. Maybe I can be like, maybe I'm a halfling. You know, I'm like eight, clearly not a halfling, but like, cause I'm six foot four now, <laughs> you know <laughs> but it was just fun. In life. your heart, you are. <laughs> in my heart, I am a halfling. Yeah. But yeah, just like Frodo being like, three foot tall and me being like eight being like four foot like there was just this he wasn't a kid but it kind of felt like a kid and like me going on an adventure that my dad was telling me like it was just a fun fun story that I think I just fell in love with the idea of fantasy books and as soon as I could play d and I was like man I want to
2: yeah I do that there.
0: whole satanic panic thing like aside <laughs> that I wasn't allowed to play D&D until I was in college but you know
2: wow all you got that hit by that
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I live in I live in Western Michigan, so it's still around today. It's totally fine. <laughs> <Got> it. <laughs> we make we make do. But
2: wow. Yeah. Um, but it's I, I like what you said there, uh, because it, I think he, he wrote it for his kids. There is definitely a quality of a legend in there. It's not just this like hardcore uh, Game of Thrones situation. Obviously, there is a kind of a something that kind of I don't know, it kind of walks you as a child into this world it rolls it out kind of slowly. It starts in the Shire, but then it gets really scary in some places.
0: Yeah, his first experience with trolls, like terrifying, but it also was not like this hack and slash gory thing where it's like you're not going to read it to your kid, right? It's like he figures out this way to like him and the dwarves to keep them guessing and confusing them until the sun comes up, right? Like that's super fun as a kid to read that and be like, whoa, that's kind of, Absolutely. With my daughter being six now, right? Like, we have started playing the game Starport with her because it's just like this easy entry level kid story, like role playing game where it's not all hack and slash, but being really creative and fun. And she loves running around and blinding things with her flashlight to get through, right? Like, That's just really cool. <laughs> these super fun, um, creative <laughs> moments that like I got into as a kid. And it just, yeah, it just it bonds me and my dad and my brother and like all of us on a really kind of fundamental level. So. It's really cool. It's awesome. But
2: yeah. I mean, we're we're to- with, with Legend in the Mist, there is there is an element that really plays into what you just said because um so in our games there's there are no there's no hit points. All you have is different conditions, uh, and they rank from one to six. And every challenge has a limit of what types of conditions they can take. And you can defeat challenges in different ways. A challenge, first of all, is not just a fight you know, you you have a challenge at control so you can outsmart them. That's a status you can give them. You can, uh, with a flashlight, blind them and, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. So yeah, that's that's a part of what we're, we're really trying to create that creativity is a very big part of the game. It's, it's just baked in that you can defeat things in different ways. And anything could be the hit points of um, a certain challenge. So mm-hmm. it could be combat social magical legal in city of myths. Midst- you know it could be really anything and i think that's really important because players that want to tell a story and it's okay not everybody is into that uh, but players who want to tell a story want to be able to do more than just hack at something or cast a very specific type of spells and i think even the original dungeons and dragons was all about like How can you use this in a smart way? It's kind of old school, right? Like, how can you use your tools in a smart way to get out of this situation that isn't just uh, chopping your enemies
0: to bits? Yeah, not just turning into murder hobos all the time. Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
1: Which is a, a perfect segue. Okay, first off, Icewind Dale trilogy, I literally remember the living room. Of my grandparents house when I was reading those first books because of how difficult they were for me at the time from a reading level perspective, mm-hmm. like in just like advancing. Cause who's trying to figure out how to say mental barons in, which is fine now, <laughs> which is fine now um so not, you're just like fine. you're just it's like tri- fine. So, so i'm it. just like i don't know, i mean i got some of these words but i certainly don't have some of the other ones um so that was definitely what kind of set me on the path and um yeah read them all since done the audiobooks um, all of those things but i think everything and one of the main reasons asking that question really leads into the direct topic of diverse power levels because one of the things you think about in mean, almost every media property that you – fantasy media property that you think of, that's what happens. If you look at d d while conceptually it is fun to think that I would want to be Frodo or Samwise, what am I going to do if you chose Gandalf or if you chose Aragorn? Or if I chose Gimli, what are you going to do? You either have two options. Either you directly limit me, or we buff you in a way that is just kind of unreasonable. um, That doesn't really harken back to that. I think about the Avengers. How is it okay that Hawkeye and Black Widow are involved? But have super important roles, even in the battle, um, at hand. And still can be important characters that people are still drawn to. Because that's my thing, is like when you think about that, it's not like... Every well, okay, maybe most people didn't like Hawkeye, but that's a whole other thing. You you took over (laughs) him, and he had no agency, and that's really why people didn't enjoy the character for most of it. But so many people love love the hobbits, are drawn to the hobbits, are those are their favorite characters, and yet, like they're literally learning how to fight in the movie, like in the first movie, they're just like, I don't know, I don't know what to do with this sword, and it's like Gandalf is here. Guys, Gandalf is with us, (laughs) and you don't know really which end of this sword is the better end to stab them with. I think I say all of that to say, if you can figure out a way to really illustrate this to your players, that it is a possibility, I think it continues to open up more options for them and better ways to think about their own characters coming to the table. Because if I present it in a way that is like, no, Gandalf, Gimli, Aragorn, Legolas... The likelihood that either it, it, the three of us or anyone else decides to be the Hobbit, I feel like, it's less and less. No matter how much we love those characters or that type of character.
2: Yeah, totally agree. So the way we tackled the legend and the Mist is that everybody has the same number of tags, and tags the exact same narrative value. So if you have a person that has, what could you say about Frodo? What kind of, you know, what kind of tag does he have? Something about his ability to resist evil. What do I mean by narrative power? This tag has just the same ability to change the story and to have certain outcomes in the game as Gandalf's tag uh, of like his fire uh, ring of power. The type of actions that each of these tags would support is completely different. If I'm going to have resist to evil tags, I'm going to be more of a character that has to constantly battle these influences, and I'm good at doing that. And if I try to fight with uh, the with, uh, goblins, with the, uh, you know, I don't know, rusty uh, swords, I'm going to be in trouble. Uh, I-, I can also then reveal my uh, mithril. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs>
0: Clearly, he doesn't know how to fight. He got stabbed <laughs> by a troll. <laughs> so.
2: Exactly. So, um, but if I'm Gandalf, then I'm dealing with things for, on another level with different types of actions. And these actions are empowered by my tags. And we've seen this in City of Mist. City of Mist is, um, so this isn't like in theory, this is a thing that has been played by, I want to say hundreds of thousands of players by now. Um, In City of Mist, you can be, diff- it's a kind of a superhero, super powered setting. And you can be a beginner who's just revealing their powers. And then you have a lot of like real world tags. So you have more, gra- more, uh, more grain, more detail about who your character is and what they're, personal strengths are so it's like in a scooby gang like you you're maybe more the person who's you know connected to the most more ordinary aspect of lives and you're able to investigate that and then side by side you have people with like super mega superpowers that have most of their tags relate to their superpowers and they're effective in where they are effective but they can be very weak for example in the ordinary life things So people have been playing this and using uh, mixed power levels for, you know, however long we have, six, seven years since we released the game. Now we're bringing it to fantasy and I can't like, because I'm so into that, what you just said, Neil, like that mix of levels. I can't wait for people to start experiencing that in the game.
1: Yeah, that's and that's the one of the reasons I, I brought you on was not obviously to showcase another game that's coming out, a fantasy game because I I have of the mind that there are many things that D and D can do. I mean, I am going to say these words, and you've heard them all before, listener. There's many things that D and D can do. There's many things that it can't do, and that's just simply the, a page limit at some point. But the idea of having that available to people just opens those options so much, especially with the idea of like finding a new character. Like, let's say you had a campaign and you you had a friend who's super interested. They want to join the campaign. There is a way that certainly they can just have a level seven character. There's also a way that they could have a level one character that is with the level seven characters and still doing something meaningful because they joined. They narratively joined for a reason. I mean, you don't have to do it, but you can layer in the idea that there is a direct narrative point at which the new player entered. And that is important because that's where the campaign is right now. And to some degree, they may even have more narrative power as that level one that just joined than the level sevens because you're on their character arc. I just think there's a lot to be said about having this diverse power level. Also, let's not get it twisted. People used to not level up the same in Dungeons and Dragons. You just had different leveling tracks. I remember those. You would get different things at different levels. I mean, heck, to some degree, 5th edition does it now, where if I choose the right class, I'm going to get a bunch at level one. Or if I choose this class, I'll get level two. Others, I don't get anything until level three to kind of gate out the long term of some of the power. So even, you know, even looking at 5th edition, but definitely in older editions, especially if you did multi-classing, oh, Then you and your math degree (laughs) did multi-classing. But the idea that you just had different tracks and the rogue would get a lot more levels because they're getting these smaller, like you were kind of talking about, more granular pieces to say, okay, well, I'm going to put my next 5% into opening locks because that's kind of where my character is. And then I'm going to get another level faster because really the only thing I get is another 5% that I can go put inside of something. I honestly don't know where I was going. I'm just very excited no, about the I mean, conversation because I think there's just so much there um that anybody listening could add to their table. And
2: you can do it with Dungeons and Dragons, right? You could totally bring that one uh, level one with 5D. You could bring it's it's hard because the the is the gonna have to work really hard to provide them challenges at their level, but it's doable. It's just really not made for it. It's 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 you know, it's made for a party that's roughly the same level dealing with challenges that have a challenge rating that are rough you know kind of like the same level uh as the party and it's just gonna be a lot more work
0: yeah i you know i i like the idea you know neil i don't know if i'd bring a level one into level seven party because like they would have like eight hit points and <laughs> ah, everything hits for like 12 hit point damage but i do think like what's interesting what's interesting about how it could work is like even if they're like level coming in say somebody has a character that's died right and you're in a town and it's a small village it's like well this village is probably not going to have another level seven person in it because there's like 200 people in this village chances are they're not here but there's a level three character there's a level four character that could be like chilling here right and it could it'd be really interesting because that character would have to enter into situations differently and They'd have to be more creative, and tra- especially combat, right? Like, but even like persuasion situations, they walk into a massive city for the first time, and they've never been to a massive city before. Like, you're not going to be as good at persuading this shopkeeper, and maybe there are, maybe they advance at a different level because they're watching people to like, sl- like get up to their level. So every time that they watch somebody persuade. You know, somebody into doing something. It's like, oh, I've learned something about this, and maybe they get some experience points, or you know, they level up in half the time to the next level. I don't know. Just some fun ways to think about it, but it could be a really fun, unique experience because I do think, yeah, I mean, just thinking about like in real world, right? You enter into a job for the first time, you are clearly a lower level than the sales guy who has been doing this for fifteen years, right? And there's these moments where you learn things along the way, and slowly but surely you learn the tools of the trade you were an apprentice for a long time before you become a journeyman right like it's it's baked into how we do life and there's so many people that like they shouldn't be given the reins to be a journeyman electrician right away because they would probably blow up a building or kill themselves right by by shocking themselves but the way that they work through it like it's really satisfying for a lot of people to learn those skills along the way and I think that could totally be done in any sort of setting, as long as the person entering in is willing to do that and have fun with it along the way, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great thing. I think that, yeah, like you said, they could be coming in, they could be learning, they could be um, dealing with combat differently, kind of like this foe is beyond any of you style, like get the hell out of here. I'm the only one that can deal with this, uh, like the, the older characters or the higher level characters. But I do also think that it's really interesting what you said, Neil, about the, the possibility that they're no less influential in the story. Like, this is what we really want to get that point where, you know, Frodo is no less influential than Gandalf in the story. His story is no less important. It's not just trailing him and learning. The gap there is is unbridgeable. It's just a whole different aspect of the narrative that is actually, and I think that a lot of, players maybe think it won't be interesting. It's actually fascinating to play through, especially if you're more of a narrative and, and you're in, into the story of your character. It could be really interesting to play a kind of a like a weaker, quote unquote, character that has this dealing with things on their level that are just as important for the world than,
1: uh, you know, as, as things that the big guys are dealing with. I think of like the scenario where I think of too many scenarios as my first problem. And then to try and resolve that, (laughs) uh, you think of like, let's say it is this really high level barbarian or fighter who says, I'll hold the line, but you need to get this door open. You can be in a... Hold like, the door. Hold the door. Hold door. Hold <laughs> door. Um, but you could be in a, I mean, that's a perfect example. You could be in a scenario where, narratively, that character chose to sacrifice themselves. But on the other end, let's say you're in a room on the other end, that character whose level is lower is now trying to open this door. So you have this huge, you know, pitched battle that is left, right, and center. But just as important is if you don't get that door open... We can all still die. So from a narrative perspective, that door and your skill to open it is just as important as basically Hulk smash out in front, keeping the trolls or bugbears or whatever at bay. And so like thinking of and I think that's the other really interesting tool is even if you don't implement the idea of different levels, thinking about. Giving more narrative elements for your players, even in combat scenarios, I think just advances you um, as a dungeon master um, rather than just having the person who, I, going back to just pushes a twenty times until the <laughs> until the battle's over. What are you which, talking about?
0: Assassin's Creed doesn't make you do that, Neil. Oh, stop it!
1: Street Fighter. Just street I'm gonna get fighter.
0: it. I'm gonna get it. No, I,
1: but but yeah, yeah that I, idea.
0: you know i I think even like in stories that I've been a part of, some of my some of my favorite ones that I've ever read or like take Harry Potter or, you know, we've talked about Gandalf. Like I think it's people running games. It's not even all the time that our players have to be at different levels to make this work. Right. Like they could have someone like a Dumbledore or a Gandalf who is dealing with things that are of a much higher power level that the players aren't quite right. Like they kind of get let in on these things that things are happening but they're never fully there and there's always that mystery of like what's going on up there like are we ever going to get to do this sort of thing like it keeps your players coming back for stuff i think about dm mitch who's another one of the hosts on here one of the campaigns we played in with him i think it was called like the sons of bastion and it was like this guy i think he was called like a star child or something is it was, it was the name was bastion wind Sailor. he fell from the sky a long time ago it was like the star child super powerful being in his world and he like took in these people that were kind of on the outskirts or who were orphaned or whatever and kind of raised them up and like they did these quests and were a part of this kind of tribe of people but we were never going to be on the level of bastion wind Sailor. never like this dude was just way too high up but we always knew there were things happening behind the scenes that he wasn't fully letting us in on. And we were always really curious about what was happening. And it was just this power dynamic of like, oh, dang, this dude is freaking powerful and wise and intense in ways that like, we'll never be able to be even as like level 20 characters. But like, it was really fun, I think, for him as a DM to like, play that sort of power level, but he never like really went on quests with us. Yeah. Right. Except for one time we were in a war where all of a sudden like we were looking down from this tower and these massive lines of ships were coming in the harbor and he like hauled this meteor down from the sky and just like crushed the harbor. And it was like, whoa, <laughs> this guy is on a different level than the rest of us. And we're glad he's on our side. And how do we like continue to
2: Stay on do that. the quest? Because we
0: love this guy, you know,
2: Yeah. but that what you're what you're describing is it's like a classic GM character it's like it's it's a power level you're never gonna get to right yeah but it's i love having like when i gm i love having a character like that i think it really enriches also your interest as a gm in the the world and uh but you know it is that kind of like role model that they look up to or sometimes have conflicts with like but the players are, are really into it
0: yeah every character when you have a character that's that powerful that we play goes through his teenage rebellion phase right where we think we know best and are frustrated with the really powerful character for some reason
2: you know very complex
1: but it's a great example because i think we focus pretty heavily on having someone arrive and be lower level but the idea that a person uh maybe it's a person that's we used to be in your campaign, moved away, they're back for the holidays, they're back for whatever reason, you have a session, you invite them, they're going to come in, maybe they're the one playing that NPC that's at that extra level. And then you're still finding ways to, again, their while their power level is the same, or isn't the same, their narrative power level basically kind of levels out. Where it's like, you know, you cast that meteor, it's like, yeah, well, I mean, Narratively, it kind of has to happen that way, or we're just like, it's not going to work. Like The narrative doesn't work without that meteor being cast down. And so having someone show up for one, two, three sessions, being that NPC and then wandering off because they have bigger fish to fry. Oh, I think of uh, Captain Marvel in the Avengers. Is like, well, where were you? It's like, well, this isn't the only um, place <laughs> with living creatures on it. So, Any <laughs> <Heady> humans. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, uh, guys. Uh, I, I know you're cool and you managed to get a bunch <laughs> of shiny rocks, but there's a whole galaxy out here and I was <laughs> right dealing example. with that. Um, so like that idea, of, but I'm here now. What do we need to do? What is, you know, what is the arc that I am now involving myself in directly? Okay, cool. That's done. I need to go again.
2: Yeah. And it brings the whole party to deal sometimes with things that are kind of bigger than their scale, but they have that super powerful character now. It can just give you a dip into the cosmic level for superheroes. And then you get back to your your street or your country. Or your... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. I think um, the real question is, how do you do it with player characters? Because that's the that's, that's the the secret here. And, um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, before Chris, you mentioned the apprentice journeyman master the, that, that division into levels. and this is something that we use in the game in Legend in the mist. So you have each character is built out of themes, and usually characters will start with a specific type of theme called origin themes. And these are themes that are mostly about, you know where you come from, your background, Maybe if you're a member of a a heritage or a group or something like that, your basic skills like a trade or something that kind of like level zero, level one things, but there's also separate uh, types of things. One of them is called adventure, which is for people like maybe Legolas or Aragorn people that, you know, have serious skill to them. They're no, they're not just origin characters. And then you have another set that's called, that's the master level. uh, That's called greatness. And that's really for, people uh, like Gandalf, for example. But there is mobility between these levels. So because in City of Mist and Legend of Mist, you can actually replace the theme as some of your themes, as your story arcs progresses. Your character can start with all origin themes and then swap some of them later for uh, adventure or greatness themes. And the example for that is, for example, the uh, the Hobbits, uh, Mary... And Pippin, who, and all of them, but specifically Mary and Pippin, become a part of a greater thing later in the stories, right? They become a part of, um, you know, the the Rohan the Rohan army and then the Gondor army. And uh, they also do much greater things. Like, So Mary at some point tackles a foe from the level of greatness, which is maybe something that he couldn't have done if he only had origin themes. And it goes both ways. Because when they get back home, they can kind of drop that, uh, you know, those those themes and come back to their origin. So characters can mm. have like story moments where they become more about the bigger world or even more about the whole world and then come down back to maybe what, where they started from. And so that three-level thing you mentioned, it was like, yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Uh,
1: and that's, I mean, it's such a good point. I think this will kind of, help us round out the conversation. Once you start to get this and develop this skill, there's nothing to take. There's nothing to stop you from taking that character that was super powerful and make them not and still hold the narrative power. Let's take the Gandalf Mm -hmm. and let's say he fought the Balrog and came back not as Gandalf the white, but what if he came back as just kind of a guy, but he still Mm -hmm. holds the knowledge Of Gandalf, and he still holds all of these, you know, all of these connections and these narrative pieces that can still be just as viable. But now he cannot cast that meteor down. But it's (laughs) totally okay. Like it just, it's just part of your story that you're telling now. And it doesn't necessarily affect much more than how that character, that uh, player gets to tell their story as that
0: character.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. Like being broken or something. I like, like, you know, coming back broken or or weaker or
0: focusing on other things yeah i was even thinking like in terms of if you know you have a sorcerer like a wizard and a fighter like in your group or something and all of a sudden like the fighter thinks what the wizard is doing is super cool and now you're talking about multi-classing into wizard right like like those sorts of moments could be really fun for that sort of like apprentice mentoring sort of because clear, I mean, they still have like they're both six levels, but now the now the fighter is five levels in fighter and one level in wizard, and it's like, oh, they're not they're not weak, but maybe he just like tries to be a wizard first before a fighter, and so he's under leveled in some ways because all he's got is like level one spells and cantrips instead of like, oh, I can do all these crazy fighter things because for him to get you know quote unquote better if he's multi classing you make the rule where it's like, no, you have to like narratively, let's just have you always go to wizard stuff first as you're doing this. Right. And it's, you're still strong. Like you're not going to, you're going to take hits and be fine, but now you just probably won't have armor on in the same way. And so you're still a lot of HP, but now you're still weaker. Right. So it's like those, the same way, if a wizard tries to become a fighter, like usually they're not the strongest people <laughs> in the world. And so now it's like, Oh, you hit things with a sword, but you have a negative one to everything, you know? and that like you just have to work your way up and there's literally like you don't gain ability points until certain levels and now you're going to try and put them all in strength so that you can like physically get stronger you know like there's multi-class and could be done really fun and even if they come back and they're like hey wizard stuff isn't for me like i'm three levels into this but now i'm going to become a fighter again it's like well now you're three levels behind in fighter and so it's like you're still you're having to work your way back up again. You know, I yeah. don't know, like the multi classing makes like A new, makes new it seem career. Like, for me, like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, multi classing could be a really easy place where you get that in with people still being powerful, but just, you know, narratively a little bit weaker if you play into it a little bit.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think that leads us to my favorite question of what I mean, we've definitely alluded to a lot of things you could read or watch for homework, but what are some. Maybe something that we haven't mentioned yet that people could go, like I said, read or watch to kind of get an idea of different power levels still holding that narrative narrative power at the same time.
0: I've been listening to the Wheel of Time books again through Audible, and there's a bunch of I mean, just watching like Matt and Perrin and Rand and Nynaeve and Egwene, like all of them starting out as these little like two river folk who don't know anything about the world. And then within like the first 10 chapters, they're like leaving home with an Aes Sedai and a warder and, you know, meeting all of these crazy people and cursed weapons and items. And, you know, I think there's something to be said about that series of like walking them through becoming like Perrin, getting in touch with his wolf side and Rand tapping into the one power and Nynaeve and Egwene like becoming Aes Sedai like along the way and just these really beautiful arcs of people being underpowered but having these um, mentors along the way who like just help them narratively become stronger. You know, it's just, it's a really cool, it's a a long, long listen. (laughs) You got to be dedicated to it but it's really beautiful at the same time.
2: Yeah, I'm totally gonna do that now because because this is a big inspiration as well for our game and um, that's a great idea to do with an audiobook. and and it is it is exactly one of those uh, campaigns where you have you could potentially have a real like the inclination is to say oh let's just make all these characters like the party and all the other characters are gonna be NPCs but you could have a really interesting campaign with people playing Moraine and you know and, and land and, and land
1: universe. yeah
2: so
0: yeah. it's
1: just um i love it <laughs> sounds like a great campaign to run. yeah i think watching so so theoretically the mcu has actually doubled its canonized runtime because recently they've said yeah the stuff that was on netflix is in fact canon for the sacred timeline Ooh. uh which <laughs> which dialed the uh, overall runtime of everything you're canon that you could watch doubled it uh but the idea that like while maybe not necessarily the greatest of all of those is the defenders. But if you look at like the power set of them joining and then doing that, but then you go look at all of their stuff, like the things that they do are so fundamentally different. The, storylines that they answer the hardships that they go through and the way that they have to go through them are so different and yet in spite of that fact they all then still have to come together to become the defenders or else that again that narrative doesn't work without them teaming up and being able to do certain things as a collective unit Um, so i think but that's also to say a lot of superhero stuff because often you'll have someone who is like, yeah, I have, <laughs> I am powered by the heart of a dying star. And it's like, well, I'm an orphan that Batman picked up one day. And like, <laughs> they're, 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 but they'll be on the same, you know, on the same team. Same um, team. Yeah. Doing, yeah. doing the same kind of things. Um, so yeah, a lot of superhero properties definitely would allude to all of this. Well, perfect. So the other super important thing is tell us more uh where we can go to find where we can keep an eye to do uh, uh legend to focus on Legend in the Mist um and all of the other stuff you're working on.
2: You can go to city of dot Mi- cityofmist.co where you will find all the stuff that we are working on, including a big giant link to the Kickstarter page of um Legend in the Mist that is launching on February sixth. And um yeah. You can join the party
1: there. I like it. And as always, thank you for coming on. And I will say with a modicum of confidence, it will not be as long <laughs> before we have you on again.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. I-, I hope so.
1: We just want to thank Amit again for coming on and sharing some time with us, sharing his thoughts, sharing his design thoughts uh, on his long road to inevitably making the fantasy game that he's always wanted. If you want to tell us about how you've been adding different leveled characters into your game at the same time, as always, you can email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. Of course, if you head over to Apple Podcasts, whatever podcaster you have, leaving a rating or review. It is always appreciated. And of course, you can follow us on the socials and the medias. Uh, if you look up Dungeon Master Block in there, if we don't come up, well, that's weird. As always... We're a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network where you can check out other shows like the GM Showcase, Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, and more. And as always, thank you for spending your time here with us listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing gods, killing characters, and lowering the egos of everyone else at the table. I'm DM Neal. Good night, good luck, and keep on Dungeon Mastering.
0: It's not inspiration, it's not wisdom, and it's bad advice.
1: At the start of every session, have them roll a d20 and that's the level that they are for the session perfect Bye.